0: Hey everyone, I am so glad that you're joining us today. We have a super special guest and I'm so excited to go over this topic. (laughs) I'm here with Dr. Corey Prost. She is amazing on our diet doc team, our psychologist. Like she's just amazing and I love having her. I love talking to her. She's so great in depth with explaining things and, and just talking about everything. So today we're gonna go over a very important topic that I don't feel like a lot of people really talk about um, and that's uh, those who struggle with being anorexic or bulimic and, mm-hmm. and, and how to not only if you, you know, if you have that, how to handle that, how to other people, and just, there's so many different parts to it um, yeah. that I, that I really want to touch base
1: um, and go over. So welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thank you. No pressure. No yeah.
2: pressure. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to have a conversation, right? right. We'll do our best to, to articulate kind of what the situation is and how best we can help those who are suffering with eating disorders and those yeah. who love them and care about them and who may not have even broached the subject with people that they maybe think might have an eating disorder. Like there are, there are so many different variables and different directions we could go in with this. So we'll do our best to skim the surface as best we can and help people.
0: Yeah. So let's dive into that. You had mentioned there's different ways that we can go. What are some things people can look out for?
2: Well, I think first maybe, um, maybe it would help just to understand what an eating disorder is and it's eating disorders can look a lot of different ways. And you mentioned anorexia, you mentioned bulimia, Mm -hmm. but the most common eating disorder, Tanya, aren't either of those two. It's binge eating disorder.
0: Oh yeah.
2: And then there's orthorexia as well.
0: Yep.
2: And so, These are mental and physical illnesses, but anorexia uh, specifically has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Wow. So, I mean, that's really important to understand. Yeah. Um, Anorexia specifically, the signs of it can be, significant amount of weight loss. Although, um, atypical anorexia means that you can have an individual who is in a larger body who still has anorexia. So it's important to know that you cannot assume someone has an eating disorder or know which eating disorder it is by looking at someone.
0: Oh, I love that you mentioned that. That's amazing.
2: Yeah. You just can't.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: With someone who potentially has anorexia, you might see them dressing in layered clothing. And that can, if they are in a state where their bodies are very, very low weight um, to the point, well, let's just look at, I mean, you don't have to be emaciated to be anorexic, but when you have very, very low body fat, it's going to be difficult for you to stay warm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, I, I had anorexia when I was in college and this was, this was a symptom of mine too. Constantly cold, couldn't get warm, um, especially the extremities. But when you don't have the fat layer, this makes sense. So you'll see them oftentimes dressing in layered clothing. Um, perhaps not surprising. There's a significant, um, preoccupation with food, with weight, with calories, with fat or with dieting uh, and and refusal to eat foods Mm -hmm. with anorexia. There's a significant um, and persistent food restriction going Mm -hmm. on. Um, And it's it's a lot about having a severely distorted body image. So these individuals see themselves as looking in a certain way and it, it it's not reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, intense fear of weight gain and fat. Uh, you often see them engaging in compulsive exercise. I will say personally that for me I was very detailed and I was tracking my calories and my food with immense intensity, I was eating, um, but I was also exercising three or four times a day for a couple hours. So um, compulsive exercise is something that you see often. You, ca- you do have anor- um, individuals who have anorexia who will also purge though or use laxatives. Mm-hmm. And there is um, binge type anorexia too. So with that severe restriction, um, you know, biologically, they're going, they're going to be in a place physiologically where the binge happens.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, but again, you know, if you are, if you are thinking that someone might, and you're looking for maybe signs or symptoms, um, these people with anorexia will oftentimes, um, uh, deny their hunger, uh, They've, they feel this very preoccupied need to burn off the calories that they yeah. consume.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they will socially isolate themselves. And so if you notice those sorts of behaviors, like they're acting different than they used to, they're not spending time with family or friends anymore. Um, they're, and they have a concern about eating in public. Uh, those are the things to watch out for. But you know, regardless of what type of eating disorder someone has, support is necessary. (laughs) We really need to help people find the support that they need, be it, um, depending on the severity, the severity of the disorder, sometimes people need hospitalization because they need to be monitored and they need, um, nutritional rehabilitation and they need refeeding and they need to gain weight
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, in order to restore their, their physical health. And that's the thing with, um, especially with anorexia treatment, a lot of times um, insurance companies will pay for treatment until the, the individual reaches a certain weight, but that doesn't mean that, <laughs> we've dealt with the psychological issues and the emotional issues and all the things that potentially led them there in the first place.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So
2: that's with anorexia. Now with bulimia, that's when you have an individual who is binge eating on very large amounts of food that anyone else would look at and say, wow, that's abnormal. Um, there's a sense of lack of control that goes along with the binge eating. Uh, and then there are compensatory behaviors post binge um, to prevent weight gain. And that can look like purging, that can look like the use of laxatives, that can look like um, compulsive exercise. Uh, you know, there are lots of things that fasting, um, restrictive dieting, choosing not to. Um, eat certain food groups, things like that. And oftentimes individuals with bulimia will present with uh, co-occurring disorders. So what that means is you may notice that there are high levels of impulsivity among individuals with like shoplifting, um, with individuals who have bulimia, there may be a co-occurring like substance abuse disorder or self-injury.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
2: and then a lot of the symptoms or and the signs, things that people can kind of look for and be careful and aware of, mimic those of individuals with anorexia. There's the you know the isolative behavior, the difference in you know changing how they dress in order to hide what's happening. You may notice for people with bulimia. Um, if it's been going on for quite some time, you know, they're going to end up having teeth problems because of the acid from the stomach. Mm. Um, they may end up with calluses on their hands from um, the self-induced vomiting that they're doing. And that, that individual you might see um, really fluctuate in their weight quite a bit. It may be low and then it may be high. And so you can see them yo-yoing quite often. Uh, And then with binge eating disorder, which I mentioned is the most common um, and that I particularly uh, see a lot with individuals and and work with them on, um, this is where you have recurring binge episodes, again, with a sense of loss of control. significant shame, psychological distress attached to it, um, a lot of guilt post binge, but there aren't necessarily um, compensatory behaviors after. So like with the clients that I'm working with, um, and, and this, is, this is a positive thing. <laughs> if individuals are binging and that, that may sound strange if individuals are binging, though, and then they're not purging or doing other compensatory behaviors after what they're doing is because it's the, that restriction that can often cause the next binge. It's like putting a cog in the wheel so that they change that the, the binge purge cycle,
0: mm-hmm. if that
2: makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oftentimes we see You know, and this, it's interesting because binge eating disorder started really, really ramping up around the same time that the dieting industry started really ramping up also. And we know that biologically when someone is restricting calories to a degree, that is harmful, physiologically, the body is going to send out signals to go eat
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and
2: eat a lot because it's, it's anticipating a famine. It's very threatening to the body and it's a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, but dieting really restrictive dieting in particular can, um, can cause a lot of A lot of issues because it disconnects us often from our bodies we're disconnecting from hunger and fullness cues and um you know there's it's it's almost like we are required to flip a switch in the brain um if we're if we're really engaged in restrictive dieting that says no you just follow the plan Mm You don't have to listen to your body in any way. No, what we focus on is the appearance of the body, not what the body needs for like well being and like overall health. Um, And so, yeah. Um, I'll stop talking. I don't know if you have any questions. (laughs) here, but
0: I love it. I love it because a lot of people believe that eating disorder is mainly just, you know, like just being anorexic or bulimic or whatever. Also binge eating is what, and I was in that category. So I can, like everything you mentioned, I'm like, it's exactly that. And it's the analogy I use with a lot of my clients now is, People treat diet like an on and off switch. Yep. Oh, I'm on it. Let's do it. And then I'm off it and I fall off the wagon. I'm like, burn that wagon. You don't Burn into it to the ground.
1: You no, you don't
0: need a wagon. To... You need to, if you're going to use the light switch, you keep that light on all the time. You never turn it off. You do whatever it <laughs> takes. To keep you, you're not allowed to touch. The, you're not allowed to take it off. No, you can't do that. Uh, but I but I love that because it's so true. When we start a diet, it's like we become robots and we follow. Mm-hmm. I gotta do this workout. I gotta do yes. this plan. I don't even like the meals. I'm not even hungry or I'm full, but I have to finish it because this is the serving size. And it's like we're not learning anything and we're doing more harm mentally and physically Correct. when we do that. So here's my question for you. Let's say
1: yeah.
0: I'm sure all my listeners they're in one of those categories or know somebody who is what is the next step because it really sounds a lot of it is mental
2: oh yeah yes a ton of it is mental and emotional yeah i will say a lot of times tanya what we're dealing with too is an individual who has maybe had a trauma history and that doesn't mean like big t trauma like abuse trauma can come in small forms and it can come in micro traumas over the course of of time it can come in the form of weight stigma if i live in a larger body for example and the built environment does not facilitate you know the airplane seat doesn't fit my body i walk into the doctor's office and the blood pressure cuff won't fit around my arm Mm -hmm. okay that's a problem like that's oppressive (laughs) that is going to cause us stress and harm and ill health and so the other thing that i'll say is we do live in a culture that perpetuates really unrealistic beauty ideals and the thin ideal
1: mm-hmm. and
2: we're not worthy unless we we you know measure up to those standards in some way right. and i will say that for like it is body dissatisfaction and really negative body image starts at such a young age for mm-hmm. children. You know, you're, you're getting asked questions by clients whose daughters are perhaps like moving from high school to college. Mm-hmm. And that is a very, 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 very prec- precarious time right. because it's a massive transition. Yeah. It's hugely stressful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And eating disorders in many ways They're not about the food. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they are not about the food. They are a way, a, a coping mechanism to protect us in times when we don't necessarily have the skills to be able to manage difficult, unpleasant, uncomfortable emotion. Coupled, couple that with this culture that we live in, that is perpetuating the idea that our bodies are not good enough and we must change them and fix them and make them smaller.
0: Right. On top of all the stress that we already have.
2: Right, we need that. We need the quarantine 15 messages that say, on top of everything you're already dealing with, here's another thing to add to your plate.
1: Yeah. Be
2: very, 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 very scared about weight gain during this time. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so a lot of prevention is really around learning to confront those unrealistic beauty ideals, um, encouraging a peaceful, peaceful relationship with food, peaceful relationship with your body, making the focus on what our bodies can do and the utility of our bodies and the Mm -hmm. functionality of our bodies, body appreciation, like, can I appreciate them for all of the ways in which they allow me to live my life Mm -hmm. versus what they look like and what my appearance is. And that's got to start young, young, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you probably have clients who were put on diets at, you know, the age of five younger I certainly do and how can we not start when we're forced into a position like that at that young of an age what can we expect
1: right
2: at five years old you know such a such a vulnerable time such a, a ripe time for just absorbing everything around us and the messages that we're hearing and what people are saying and what people are doing to their bodies and what they're looking like. Um, so yeah, we, we've got to learn how to replace to replace restrictive dieting with more of an intuitive eating sort of a structure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we really teach that in our programs mm-hmm. and that's really, I always say that's what saved my life is flexible dieting because it's the only diet that I don't even consider it a diet. It really taught me to learn about myself yeah. and my goals and it, my body and understanding like, am I hungry? What does my body need right now? And I go, no other diet has, has taught me that. And I'm like, I got to share mm-hmm. it with the world because it's so much easier mm-hmm. And it helps me have a great relationship with food. And a lot of people, you know, I think I struggled now, now that you keep explaining it. I'm like, wow, I did go. Um, you know, I barely ate food because I was trying to like lose weight. And I did like yeah. three or four hours of working out after high school. I do remember that. Cause you mentioned that. And I'm like, wow. Cause I was so stressed out and I didn't have time to eat. And if I did eat, it was like McDonald's, mm-hmm. but I remember like just working out like crazy mm-hmm. and Um, and then I switched from that to binge eating because I didn't know how to handle stress. And so I gained 50 pounds in less than two years. I mean, it was pretty traumatic of how quickly I gained it. I went from being, uh, 22 years old to feeling like I was 90. I mean, it was bad. Like my energy, just everything felt awful. Um, and so that's why I'm so passionate about our program is because, it saved me. It helped me overcome so many of my battles and it helps me more mentally yeah. be stronger than any other diet. But I want to go into, I was fortunate enough to learn all this stuff and pass it on to other people. <laughs> I would love for people who are listening. Um, what, where's their hope? How can they Uh, what's their next step? I like to take it one step at a time. If they're dealing with any of those three or know somebody, what's the next step of getting stronger emotionally? Or like you said, maybe it's a stress or trauma that's triggering them. What do they do from there? Where's their hope that things can change? Things can get better. Mm -hmm. So I firmly believe in full recovery
2: from eating disorders. A, I've fully recovered from an eating disorder. You, you have too. I've worked yes. with people, other people who have. Um, it is entirely possible and it, it takes support. You need to be ideally within a community and have a team of people surrounding you who are well-versed in this and who can help you explore and who can help you take risks. And who can help you see the other parts of yourself? Because the eating disorder can feel like this dictator that takes over and tells you what to do all, all the time, and will beat you up. You know, I just got off a call um, prior to to doing this with you, Tanya, and that is exactly what we were exploring. Um, you know a lot of times individuals who engage in in disordered eating or have these clinical eating diagnosable eating disorders have specific personality characteristics you know like perfectionism <laughs> yeah um, yeah and part of getting better and recovering is about not trying to get rid of these personality characteristics you know perfectionism that, I can't extract that from my personality. It's not going anywhere. So (laughs) how how can I learn to use that quality of mine in a positive way that is in my service and towards my healing?
0: Yeah.
2: And so it, you know, we were talking about how with my client, we were talking about how she has this controller inside of her. You know, most of us have a high need for control if we're struggling with these sorts of things. And I said, you know, you've got a lot of other uh, people inside of you too, who are they? And she's like, well, and we've done a character strengths assessment together and she, her number one character strength is the capacity to love and be loved. And she's like, well, you know, I have this other person inside of me who is very compassionate. And I said, so, you know, it would be really interesting if you and your compassionate advocate and the controller could like have a powwow. (laughs) Let the controller speak, let the compassionate advocate speak. And you're kind of like, you're the chairman. Ultimately, you get to decide like, you know, whose opinion holds the most weight. Um, And if we're looking at it from the perspective of your long term health and well being. And so we used a current situation that she's dealing with. And, you know, the controller gave gave their opinion and the compassionate advocate gave their opinion. And then she was like, well, I can see both sides. But (laughs) based on, you know, what I've said I want and how I want to move out of this behavior and do more of that, I'm going to go with the compassionate advocate. And so that's just an example of man, we have so much inside of us that is untapped and unexplored and if we can get support and we have a team of people, and if that means you're working with a registered dietitian and you're working with a therapist and you're working with someone involved in helping you, um, really shift your perception about movement because, I mean, let's be real, exercise literally becomes fused with fat loss mm-hmm. and it's no longer engaged in because it feels good, right? We have yeah. really rules around why we should and how much and what we should do. And is it intense enough? And it's just like, what if, what if we flip the switch there too, and thought more about how movement can be used to feel good and relieve stress and, really become more of a whole human being and to connect with our bodies instead of, again, just being focused on appearance. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: But I'll say this to Tanya real fast. Um, You know, a good, if you have questions and if you want to talk to someone to find out maybe where you should go or who you should talk to, the National Eating Disorders Association is a very Um, good place to start and they have a hotline Um, you can do an online chat with them you can call them on the phone and they can help you find out resources that are in your area you can ask them questions Um, but yeah I think that the eating disorder treatment field is changing a lot and this is fortunate because historically a lot of uh, a lot of centers they would have these weight restoration programs. And then on the other floor, they would have these obesity and weight maintenance programs. And so you're getting really different messages. And these people all pretty much need the same thing.
0: (laughs) Seriously, they do, yeah.
2: Yeah, so you're not gonna ask some, you're not going to, hopefully, when you're helping someone with anorexia restore weight, you're not gonna say, but you should only, you should only get to this weight. Once we get to that weight, then we need to be really, really careful. And it's like, yeah, right? (laughs) Yes. And that's how, that's because of the obesity epidemic. That's how things have been going for a long period of time. But there's a big change because of Hayes' healthy health at every size movement and intuitive eating and non-diet weight inclusive practitioners. And I mean, just the research that is being done too about how caustic and toxic um, these messages about uh, body size can be to a person's health.
0: Absolutely, Yeah, yeah, absolutely, goodness. But I wanna go back and I just wanna say how your first piece of advice was to get support. And I love that because um, and, and, and I would encourage, don't just put a deadline on it. Everyone's like, well, I'll just do this for two months or I'll just do this for oh, a couple of wow. weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a long-term game. It's so much longer than we anticipate. And I, nobody told me this, like nobody told me, <laughs> Hey, Tanya, yeah. you have a problem with binge eating that you've been doing 24 seven for the past two years. Mm. Um, it's going to take longer than a 12 week program. Mm -hmm. or you know a couple weeks or a weekend to get over this and I would say confidently of me intuitively eating and not feeling like food controls me because I was a slave to food like I thought of it and I had to eat it like there was no way around it yeah or that's how I handled my stress or even if I sneezed I'm like oh gotta eat a cookie like every emotion was about food it was it was it was a very
2: this without food yeah
0: it it was really sad and um one thing that really helped me was my support 100 mm. um coaches people were mm-hmm. like why do you have so many coaches i'm like because i needed professional help i needed right. i needed support i needed somebody to give me that hope of hey you're doing great let's keep yeah. going like you said you can be 100 percent cured like you could be this you can have a full recovery and for mm-hmm. a lot of people i don't feel like that's ever a possibility because they've lived so long in that state of mind of this right. is the way of my life but for me it really took about two years maybe even three,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just fully like, I changed my lifestyle from the yeah. inside out. Like I love my body. So many people are like, your biceps are too big or your thighs are too big. And I'm like, oh, I don't care because it's my body. <laughs> and I love my body. Like, I don't care what you think. And I'm like, this is a great place to be that wow. I don't care. Tanya.
2: Yeah. Just that sort we should never be commenting on someone's appearance. Right.
0: But so whoever that.
2: said to you, your biceps are too big and your legs, your thighs are too big. That's the sort of crap <laughs> that we need to be teaching young, young girls and boys <laughs> gender how to, how to manage, Yeah. how to, how to resist. Yeah. There were plenty of times too, when I was younger, where people commented and it's so, if we haven't been taught or we, and, or we've been in situations where, you know, maybe we have a family history of disorder dating and we've watched our, um, watched a parent or both parents or whoever is, you know, close to us, talk about food in a certain way and talk about their bodies in a certain way and and criticize certain things about themselves, um, we're gonna be impacted by that. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. I believe in 100% full recovery. Um, And when I say recovery, I mean consistent long-term continued learning and growth and understanding because our bodies will continue changing. Yes. As much as we would like to say wait, maintenance, guess what? <laughs> your maintenance, running.
0: your maintenance will shift. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Thank you, because everyone's like, "I hey, hit my goal weight, I'm done," and I'm like, "Oh no, sister, it's only the beginning, because <laughs> you gotta keep going." And guess what? Every three to four months, a new season of life changes, and you have to learn to That's adapt. Right. And pay attention. That's right. You have to be intentional every single day. I go, I did not lose 50 pounds and magically it stayed off. I am very purposeful on my choices, on what I do every day and why <laughs> I do it. And I always look at my long-term health, like, hey, when I'm 80, I want to feel this way. And it mm. it's important of what I do today so that I feel great when I'm older. Like I always think of today I'm investing in my future, future. health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I love, love, love that you, that you brought that up because it's so important to know (laughs) you should care about your health all the time. It's not Monday through Friday and you don't care on the weekends or you don't care from October 31st to January 2nd. Well, yeah. And how you care and how much you
2: care about your health. It's okay. If that shifts too, that's
0: okay. Yes. Thank you. It is important to know that I think so many of us have this like restrictions and we're in this box and we have to do it this way. And it's take a deep breath. Yeah. You know, and we, we gotta be more flexible. And, um, like I said, I just, I love our program because we're not cookie cutter coaches and, um, we don't have a one size fits all. And that's a game changer when you like you literally talking to your client about her being a perfectionist and finding other, you know, personality traits. Hey, let's, you know, let's dig into this. You have more than you're, it's not just one story of you being a perfectionist. You have more going on. Let's, let's talk about oh, that. Yeah. Let's, let's explore that. That is huge. And that's a, I guarantee you that like you just talking about it. I'm like, what a brilliant conversation. That is amazing. <laughs> But she wouldn't have got that on her own or looking up, you know, blogs or something that you purposefully talking to her and encouraging her and getting her new ways to think about herself. That's tools and skills she'll use forever. And that's what's so awesome um, about that. And
2: that's too what eating disorder treatment is all about too. There is no one size fits all because every person is unique and different and has you know, grown up with varied experiences and the biological and the psychological and the, the social influences that, um, you know, they've been a part of are all so different. So it is about exploring their story, helping them rewrite their story by um, asking, asking deeper questions and helping them to take risks in ways that they probably haven't before or had the support to.
0: Yeah. And, and I love how open and honest you are with just the whole outlook of everything of what each disorder looks like, mm. um, what, you know, for other people or for themselves. Cause some people, like I said, you were talking about, it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I had some issues after high school. Like I didn't realize it. Yeah. Nobody said anything to me, you know, like I didn't know. And it, I wish we were taught this in high school. I wish that me too. Yeah, I mean, it would have saved me a lot of pain, um, mm-hmm. a lot of pain, um, not to go through all of that.
2: Um, but I just think, oh, go ahead. No, just that there is a lot more happening now with eating disorder awareness and um, helping in individuals who may be suffering recognize like these behaviors are very dangerous even if you don't meet the diagnostic criteria for any one of these disorders, um, there's disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So, and I know a lot of people who are engaged in disordered eating um, in the culture. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Anyway, yeah. Awareness. <laughs> Awareness is key. hmm
0: So here's my last question for you is, and this comes up a lot and especially in our day and age um, and in America, like I've been to other countries and they're more relaxed and just enjoy life. And they take it, you come to America and it's like, boom, 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 we gotta do this, gotta do this. And we're always on the go and there's more stress. Yeah. Um, And it it doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're in high school, graduated, have kids, uh, older, running a business. I mean, everybody's busy, everybody how can somebody take on stress a different path that doesn't include food or their like just their appetite or their food? What's an avenue or what's a suggestion or advice of, here's another perspective of how to look at stress.
2: Well, I think that first it's really important to recognize what's underneath the stress Mm -hmm. And what we're believing needs to be accomplished or have done or, you know, the ways in which we're going about it. Like we do live in a culture that is all about like rugged individuality and just hustle Mm -hmm. and you can sleep when you're dead. And, (laughs) oh my God, Tanya, there are certain, (laughs) I hate all of that. I, (laughs) I really, really do because we are not helping anyone by adopting those sorts of mindsets, adopting those sorts of mentality. Um, we're running them into the ground. Their quality of life <clears throat> goes down the toilet. Right, And when we're in those sort sorts of like hyper a hypervigilant state, uh, you know, we're going to try to grasp and reach and cling to anything that will give us some amount of comfort.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: And food is very comforting, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, It can get to that abusive place, though, because we're not taking care of ourselves in other places. Um, Mm -hmm. Namely, like you mentioned, being able to be with emotion and learn to understand that emotion is energy in our bodies. And it's telling us something is important to pay attention to. So we're flipping the script around what stress means mm-hmm. because it literally could be instead of, oh my God, I need to run away from this, this stress, I need to get away from it. Um, it shouldn't be here to, oh, this seems to be happening a lot. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should say no to some things. hmm uh, yes to other things that might be more in my in the service of my well-being and nourishment i um, not sure I answered your question but this is actually part of the conversation I had with the client I mentioned is um, having a mindfulness practice because we we have with our phones and with our computers and with this go, go, go productivity, always be busy, fill your schedule to the max culture that we live in. And oh, by the way, do everything perfectly and look beautiful at the same time um, while you're not getting any sleep. (laughs) That's realistic. Um, Yeah. Uh, What, I mean, what what we are creating is a mind that is scattered <laughs> yeah. like ah uh, uh, it, it's too much cannot compute it's like when i have 50 tabs open in my browser and i'm wondering why the heck my
1: computer is operating so flipping slow <laughs> your body works the same way exit out of your things i <laughs>
2: Close some things down. We need a restart. (laughs) Um, And mindfulness. Okay, so part of the reason why we're having this mindfulness revolution. Why? Why? Because everyone is maxed out.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: We're figuring out like, we need to find a way to slow down. We need to find a way to be without having to do all the flipping time. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing in relation to, since we're talking about food and eating with this client that I'm working with specifically, she mentioned, she's like, bam, 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 bam. Go, 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 go. One thing to the next. And we talked about how like, you don't wanna bring the same energy you bring from this environment into this environment. Like, I don't wanna bring the same energy that I bring to my workout to a conversation that I'm having with my partner. Like, that doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, yeah, so it's like, can we can we use cues in our environment to signal a breath and then say, okay, ask an intentional question. What energy do I wanna to bring to this next thing? It's like that restart, it's like the reset. Can it, because we're being run by everything instead of us running everything.
0: <laughs> and your question is, is so beautiful and questions are powerful. Questions will yeah. lead you into different avenues. Your yeah. brain is very smart. You ask it a question, it'll give you an answer. So you better not ask with me because it will give you a beautiful list. That is right. so, questions are
2: powerful, but we need to be very careful and intentional about what questions we ask.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and and just, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that you said that in that state of mind to ask such an intuitive question that's going to give you, because if you say what kind of energy you want to bring while we're well, bringing maybe peaceful energy calm energy, relaxed yeah. energy, yeah, yeah compassionate energy, yeah. and that, my
2: client, what she's doing is she is framing each meal as, like, calm, patient, compassionate advocate time, these meal times, because she does, she's, she has a lot, a lot on her plate um, in her life, and she has a lot of responsibilities to manage, she's learning to ask for help, That's something all of us could probably work on, but she's framing each meal with a one minute deep breathing.
0: Wow. Good for her.
2: Have the meal. And then after one minute of deep breathing, it's like, I, we're intentionally moving into the meal in a specific way. And we're intentionally like getting some closure around it. So it's like, now I'll move into the next thing in an intentional way and that's just helping her to break up that
0: yeah Yeah. most people when they've done eating they were so preoccupied with their phone or tv or whatever distractions and the next question they ask they don't even realize they ate and they're like what else can i eat and i'm like no don't ask yourself that question your brain will remind (laughs) you of that old donut in the closet and it'll remind you to eat it like don't ask yourself what else can i eat you know because that's that's never a good how I gained 50 pounds because I just kept going and going and going ask yourself different questions is important but you really overall talked about stress mm-hmm. in a very positive way of yes or no like do I need to say no to a few things because if this keeps coming up and I'm being stressed and then it's you know it's the effect is food and that's how I'm handling it maybe I need to look back at what's causing me to be stressed saying Perfect. no to a few things or maybe saying yes to like A monthly massage or time for myself or whatever it is. I love that because, like you said, it's like impressive if we're in this hustle mode, if we're constantly busy. But if it's affecting your health and your relationships,
1: is it really something
0: to take a look at it? Yeah, let's take a look. Let's just maybe just a little teeny look. Just a little. (laughs) Just a tap. Um, but no, I, I loved our conversation. I can talk to you all day. Um, yeah, me too. because you break it down <laughs> everything so beautifully and it's, it's easy to grasp and you give such easy, actionable steps of mm-hmm. what to do or new avenues of looking at things differently because we're so used to like laser focus. This is the way I've been living my life. This is how I have to continue going, or this is how society has taught me, right? And it's so hard to look at a new perspective, but it isn't with support. It isn't mm-hmm. when you have somebody in your corner cheering you on, keeping you focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, any any final thoughts or anything that you want to say before we wrap this up? No,
2: oh, I just think that the last thing you said was really poignant, Tanya. You know, it isn't when you have support and you know, what we learn from our support team or support coach, whoever we're, or therapist, whoever we're involved with is, you know, we get, we get to try on new ways of behaving with someone that we trust and we get to take their words and implant them in our minds Mm-hmm. And when we're no longer seeing them anymore or working with them anymore, we have them like walking around with us constantly advocating for us.
0: I love that you said that. I'm not kidding. Almost every client's like, Tanya, you were in my brain the other day. And, <laughs> just, no. and I'm like, you're welcome. i to repeat myself because I want to make sure that you get it even though we're not in this conversation, you remember right. later
2: on. You know what I love is when a client will say my exact words, but it's like her idea. And I'm like, ah. done. My job is done. Like, this is good. <laughs> I'm
0: doing it. I love it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That is awesome. I, I love that. Um, <laughs> but I just, I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted... What, you took it in such a deeper level. And I love that you did that. And I knew you would. That's why I asked you to be on here. such <laughs> a great job. Um, but explaining eating disorders and letting everybody know that if you have one, it's okay. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not yeah. alone. There's hope. And I think that's something that's missing is hope of things can be different or even just that reality of, Oh, Wow, she listed well, this is what this is—what bulimia yeah. is, or anorexia, or binge eating. I have some of those. I deal with that, you know. And it's mm-hmm. it, just being open with—it's okay. And I think when I finally had my come to Jesus moment, that's when life changed. When I'm like, you got to stop mm-hmm. faking it. You got to stop pretending that you're perfect. You got to stop pretending that yep. you got it all together. That you're strong. You've never Me been too. taught. You've never been taught any of this. It's okay mm-hmm. to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating. It's scary. But I always recommend just talk to one person, like somebody that yeah. can help, like you said, maybe just a therapist or just one you know, coaching session with somebody or talk to somebody who's been through it, who's overcome it. Yeah. Just have one conversation. Because all of us, we think we have to put in like two years of work. No, just have that one conversation and it could lead on. Start there. Other, or just start there, start small.
1: Yeah, and, I agree.
0: And, and just know that there's hope. I, like I said, I think people felt
2: There's so much shame that we carry around when we're struggling with food and we're so worried about weight or fat or, you know, these behaviors that we, you know, we worry we're going to disappoint people where we worry we're going to disappoint our coaches. I mean, how often have I heard that? Like, even, even if I've worked with a, an individual who has disordered eating for, you know, a long time and we've decided this is what you're going to practice this week. And, you know, she doesn't it happens. He or she doesn't want to tell me like this is what went wrong, doesn't want to disappoint me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's tough. It's really tough. But what is Brene Brown? She says, What shame lives in the dark.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the the antidote to shame is to give it to bring it into the light. And that means telling the truth, being yeah. honest.
0: It's hard. And,
2: and knowing that you're, you aren't by yourself. And I think that's a lot of times why it's so difficult is we think no one would understand. No one else is going through this like I am. And yeah, everyone's experience is different. However, (laughs) there are a lot of people struggling with very similar issues.
0: Yeah. And, and from someone who's been there, it's okay. Really? Like when you actually tell somebody, they're going to be like, Like so eager and so happy to help you and encourage you and give a you know help you as much as they can and lead you into the right direction because if we don't get the help we need we're just gonna stay stuck and we're just gonna be the same for me that was more painful being the same person I am today yeah not improving like that for me was oh that was more painful than just giving a call and talking to somebody I'm like I don't want (laughs) to be here anymore it's awful like Mm oh it drains me from the moment I wake up to when I go to bed like it's awful I don't want to be assuming yeah. yeah I'm like I'm 22 like I at that time I'm like I'm supposed to be young and enjoying my life and I'm miserable in my body and my actions and everything so just giving that hope of it can get better and will get better yeah, yeah. if you get that supports you need um you've got Corey here Corey I'm- <laughs> She will help you out. She is so good. Everyone's like, what's this personality test that she's talking about? You want to take it with her? I will just lead them to you. Take a break it down. Um, Because that's also important. I just want to mention this. So many of us have this, maybe we have this like one idea of our identity. Like you said. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we lean on that and we sometimes think of it as a negative way. And I'm like, oh no, like let's lean on that. That's a good quality to have. We just need to change a different perspective Mm -hmm. on, on how to implement that. But I'm like, you lean on that sucker. Like that is a good quality to have. Absolutely. Any strength has the potential to become our biggest weakness too. It, yeah. it
2: operates on a continuum. Like we get to decide where on that continuum it's going to land.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you can move it. It's not like you, you can move it. it. Stuck there forever. You can move it. Uh-huh. But I also like that you bring up other characteristics that people maybe not know about themselves. And to be like, hey, oh yeah, you have this. Now, like you said, you might need to move it. We might need to make it a little bit stronger and lean on it more. Mm-hmm. Pay uh-huh. attention to it. But it's there. You got it in you. Let it shine. Put on the light. Let's go. So, (laughs) I I love that. So, if anybody is struggling with anything, just know that you're not alone. Know that you have support. There are so many people out there to help you. What was the organization?
2: Nita, N E D A, the National Eating Disorders Association. They're the Binge Eating Disorders Association, too. There are a bunch. I can send them to you, Tanya, if you want to put them in the show notes. Um, Yeah. But also, too um, you do need to be careful as someone who loves someone who, who potentially might have an eating disorder. You want to approach them in a certain way. There are bad, harmful ways to do it and there are better, more skillful ways to do it. So, um, if you want me to send you a little thing mm-hmm. on that too, Tanya, I can put that, that in. As it's, as well.
0: it's such an, uh, um, touchy <sighs> subject.
2: It is. It's very sensitive. The, yeah. the individual with eating disorder, you know, they're incredibly uncomfortable already. And then to have someone potentially notice, like, um, oh. and if you come at them in a way that is critical and judgmental, mm-hmm. um, they're going to want to hide. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, so.
0: I, I love that. I'll add that in there because okay. that was something that somebody else had mentioned is how mm-hmm. do I bring this up to... Um so and so because it's it, it is a sensitive topic. But um I want to say thank you so much for being on here. Um like I said, I could just talk to you forever. Um thank you, Tanya. So yeah. you're so insightful and like I said, I love how you break everything down. So I hope this was helpful for those you who sure. know somebody mm-hmm. who um who maybe is experiencing it as we're talking. You're like, oh well, I actually have some of these qualities, and oh, this is how you should handle stress or Just looking at different perspectives, hopefully open up your eyes, just a little bit of your health. Um, We even talked about maintenance, which is really great. How it's always, you're always going to pay attention. There's not just like you hit your goal and you're done. Maintenance is a long-term game. Um, I really say dieting is the easy part, like losing the weight. Okay. Like I get there's some skills there, but maintenance is a whole new skill that you have to apply the rest of your life. And I've mentioned this uh, a lot is no other program taught me that besides this one is mm-hmm. how do I keep paying attention and yeah. enjoy my life and create the body that I want, that I like, not what society says is attractive, but what makes me truly happy. Yeah. Um, it's important. It's so, so important. Maybe that's another Zoom call or a Zoom meeting or a podcast. How
2: society likes to dictate what our bodies should look like. Woo! Yeah.
0: You better carve out three hours because we're going
2: to die mm-hmm. into
1: that. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, that fires
2: me up. It's at the heart of so much of of the issues that that individuals have,
0: yep. Yeah, it's just, there's so much to talk about when it comes to health. It's not just meal plans and your workout program. There's so much more. And like you said, it's a lot of, it's mental. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, If you did, feel free to share it with others and let them know um, that could be helpful to them. Uh, But thank you so much for joining. Appreciate it. Love it, love it, love it that you're here. Thank you, Corey. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Tonya. Thanks,
2: Scott. Thanks, everyone.
0: It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Definitely love to have you here on again. But thank you, everyone. And have a great day. Bye. Bye.